Namaskar kindred spirits and yogi horsewomen around the world. So welcome to today's podcast. Today's guest is a special person I met during my 300-hour YTT, and she was also there doing hers. Leda Meredith Ahmet is born in England, and her parents and family are from Northern Cyprus. She has traveled the world and made Uganda, North Cyprus, and England her home. From an ice cream girl to wing walker on planes. Yes, we will talk about the wing walking. I have to say that was quite something. <laughs> to yoga teacher, shiatsu practitioner, and safari guide. Safari guide. <laughs> Sorry about that. I invite you to listen to her tales of adventure and experience and all the courageous things that she has done in her life. Namaste, Leila. Welcome, and it's so much to have you here with us today. Thank you so much, Terry. It's so nice uh, to be here with you, and thanks for the introduction. We really did have uh, a great time in Costa Rica together, and that time just sealed a friendship that I know is going to carry us throughout this lifetime and probably began in many, many previous. Um, so it, it doesn't feel like I'm sitting down with somebody that I only spent a month with. It feels like we've been together, I don't know, maybe even a lifetime. It certainly did. It certainly felt like that when I met you. We just fit so very comfortably and got along very well. I think we sort of just understood each other. Um, you've come from a very multicultural background, growing up in England with the culture of your family. And then you, your travels around where you really, you aren't the traveling person so much, you just travels for vacation from one place together, which mind you, that's very good and an eye opener and everyone should do it. Really experiencing the world brings you so much more depth to how you live and how you see others without judgment. But you really lived in a similar way that I traveled too, is really living in the countries, getting to know the people, the culture, becoming part of that and seeing where you could add to their community and help. And I've loved what you have done in, in, in certain places in the world. You had, I guess, a, an itch for travel in an early age. So what began your travels? Why did you decide to leave the comfort of your home and go out there? Um, you know, I grew up in a really loving family and really didn't go without. I was a gymnast and a ballerina and played the violin, but not very well. And, um, you know, there, everything was there that I needed but it always felt like something was missing. And I always felt like I never quite fitted in. So it didn't really matter how I tried to adapt myself or see the world differently. Um, school was just something that I really needed to get through because it felt like life was gonna begin as soon as I was done with all of that stuff and could, I, in a way, be on my own, just kind of break three from, um, not really think pressures that my parents put on me, but that desire to succeed or that need to be good and that need to fit in. And I just thought if I can get through this school and then I'm going to go traveling and, um, and life's somehow going to look different. I know I'm going to find my people. And so it kind of started off like that. I guess there was just this like little inner wisdom that told me, you know, it doesn't need to be like this. This is great. This is comfy, but great and comfy and not going to serve you in life. You've got to get out there and follow your heart and follow your passion. So I didn't really know what my uh, passion was at that time, but I just knew that um, it was probably not the ordinary. And um, I mean, my, my father's Muslim and um, he, we didn't really have a very strict upbringing, but there was definitely that presence. And uh, my mother, fortunately, quite 
easily goes along with my dad, which kind of worked in my favour because my dad came to England when he was very young and had that adventurous spirit. So um, when I announced that I was going to go off travelling, they didn't seem too worried about it. Um, I think that they didn't know that I wouldn't be home for about another 15 years. But um, <laughs> <laughs> apart from a couple of stops for uh, weddings and things like that. But um, yeah, so that kind of like with their blessing, I went off and I think first stop was in um, Australia and then Indonesia and then uh, the next stop was India and Asia and that's when it just really began. Um, I'm not very good at multitasking, I'm much better at being mindful so I was never somebody that could be like one day here, one day there, seeing that tick, 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 it was always like oh, but you know, maybe there's one more conversation I need to have or what about that person who seems so interesting? So like really uh, traveling at a much gentler pace and connecting with communities that were there and living amongst local people came quite naturally because it was much more the speed that I wanted to be moving at anyway. And so when you first, where did you first start yoga, your like personal practice and then your training? Uh, so my first yoga class was probably in India. I think that um, I was, it was, I was probably about, I don't know, in my early 20s when I first got to India. And I remember being um, very curious by this one lady, this elderly lady. And one morning, I love going out walking on my own, especially in the morning when the sun's, before the sun comes over the horizon, it's really my favorite time. And um, I'd seen this lady and we'd made eye contact and I kind of followed her and she went upstairs and from where I was standing, I could see her on her rooftop doing yoga. And um, she invited me to come and like to sit with her and to practice with her. And yeah, I was probably in that village for a few weeks, uh, maybe a little longer. And we'd spend every morning together. And I didn't really know, I'd done ballet and gymnastics. So I had like quite a fond connection with the body and movement. Um, but I think the competitiveness of gymnastics, I can be quite type A and it's part of my personality that I'm quite glad has subsided or become a little bit more gentler. So finding yoga was perfect. It was a way that I could um, have mindful movement, but there was never really a goal in sight. It was much more about the journey than just reaching an asana. Yes, exactly. So you, you, you practice more that mindfulness of being with your body without that sort of judging it or judging your, comparing yourself to others. Yeah, or uh, being worried if I was going to fall off the beam or not get a good score or let my teammates <laughs> down. It was much more about uh, just being in the moment and acknowledging whatever that moment that day brought. I mean, looking back on gymnastics now, there's so much can affect your performance. Um, you know, I just feel for any kids in any competitive sport. Although I, at the same time, I had quite a good time doing it, so. Uh, I think it's, it's probably, it is still very good to these competitive sports. And maybe it would be nice if they added more of the yoga practice to it to help them be more mindful and conscientious. So they're sort of keeping that balance, that sattvic balance between tamasic, which is quiet and calm, as you know, and the, um, the, the fiery quality, so cre creating a balance. So maybe yoga would be a, a good idea for gymnastics. I think in some gymnastics they do do it now. In some schools yeah. they do it as well. Yeah, I mean, I loved my gymnastics too. I'm very grateful for that as well. 
So uh, you were in India. Um, I'm not quite sure the sort of the, the maybe you could walk us through because I know you became a Shiatsu practitioner. You became a yoga teacher. And maybe before that's when you did your wing walking thing. So you've got to explain that to the audience because when you, I, my mind was blown when you told me that. I mean, I just thought you, you got to be kidding. How can anybody on earth do that? So let us, please tell us about that. So um, that was one of my earliest um, adventures. I'd finished studying graphic design, a career that I never did. Um, and the UK was going into a recession and there was an advert that um, Crunchy Flying Circus, uh, sponsored by Cadbury's, needed a new wing walker for an air show. And I thought, oh, that looks fun, you know, kind of. I loved the air. I've always had this um, appreciation for anything that's in the air. I love flying. In gymnastics, I love that feeling of moving through the air, of somersaulting, the freedom, the expansiveness. And, um, yeah, I was like, oh, okay, that looks good. So I Explain already what it is. Oh, so, people don't even know what, I mean, I, when you said wing walking, I was like, huh, what's that? <laughs> so uh, basically it's a tiny little biplane, a two winged aeroplane. And then I stand on, I, I was standing on the top wing whilst the plane would do aerobatics. Um, and often it was a formation flight. So there'd be two planes and two girls. And then the plane that I would on would inverse and we'd be flying together. And then the planes would separate. And so what are you, Spider-Man? You stick to it? You, well, kind of. You have a harness. So you start in the cockpit and the pilot taps you on the shoulder and that indicates it's time to get out. And then you climb out of your seat and kind of scramble up onto the top of the plane. And then there's a small cushion that pivots. So you strap yourself to that uh, cushion. And then, so that kind of keeps you rooted on the plane. But if your pilot's good, you become the center of gravity. So the plane's, ah, you know, kind of moving. You. So your feet don't really leave the plane. Wow. Um, yeah. So then, so then once I was on and locked in, I could signal that I was safe. And then he could start stall turns and uh, barrel rolls and loops and all sorts of other uh, maneuvers. And then I'd do a few other things like handstands and cartwheels. And of course, then climb, why not? <laughs> you know. <laughs> easy is <you>, easy. <laughs> you stand on the back of horses. <laughs> That's a lot easier. I'm closer to the ground. That's all I can say. See, I'm not good in heights. Anything on up high is just, just the idea of visualizing you on that plane, twirling around and doing handstands and cartwheels or whatever. It just, it, it makes me very uncomfortable. Just the idea of it. I haven't got, I can't go there. I really can't. <laughs> A few people have said, uh, you know, what was the procedure if there was an emergency? And it was like, oh, yeah, we actually never practiced that. So there was never like what happens if you're dangling from the plane by your harness, like, you know, whether the pilot was going to loop you like a pancake or try and get close to the ground with a vehicle or something. You know, that bit we just never went through. It was like, this is that's not gonna how happen. you stay safe. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Stay safe and you're going to be fine. <laughs> and it was great yeah I traveled all over Europe performing in air shows and um yeah it was a lot of fun it was a good and how old were you when you did were doing that oh so I think I must have been about must have been about 20 1920 um so we've established you're very courageous you're not afraid of heights <laughs> what other challenges did you go from there 
Yes, I think courage was never the thing that I lacked. Um, maybe, maybe it's good that it came with common sense because, um, <laughs> you know, maybe that did hold me back a little bit from taking too many challenges. But uh, even all those years traveling and traveling as a woman alone, I never really felt worried about doing it. Um, I felt much safer being in small communities with local people um, than, than what I've ever done, really. I mean, I think kind of traveling around London at nighttime on the underground and buses would have filled me with more fear than mm. landing in Japan and and not being able to speak the language. So, yeah. Yeah, I find actually people that travel a lot, that's very often they have more of their comfort zone traveling to new countries in different situations and small villages, communities, or in the nature and feeling more connected and safe. And it's when they go home, if, especially if they come from big cities, that their anxieties or fears seem to come up more. And it's sort of, at the beginning, it always sounded often, maybe, I don't think for you, but often, well, maybe you were, you were searching. It's always about searching to find oneself. So you sort of go out in this adventure looking to find yourself through living life in the world. And, um, and then there comes that sort of coming into a full circle when coming back home seems natural too. And they sort of reconnect to that and both worlds come together. Yeah, and I think that my case probably was a little bit like that. There were definitely times when I returned to the UK and, you know, I still felt a bit like that misfit that had left and, um, you know, it, it felt so, yeah, very difficult to be there. But then definitely in the last few years when I've been there, I think a lot about finding your community is about finding yourself. When, you've, when you're comfy in your own skin and you then you find the people that fit or you don't worry about the people that don't fit, but that you've got enough faith and enough trust that, that your tribe are out there, your family, your people. And like when I return to the UK now, I'm much more comfy there. I've got a beautiful community of friends there that, you know, I long, long to be with them. I've missed them. I was hoping to go this year and um, didn't get there yet. So um, yeah, I think that's right. Coming back or finally going home maybe that home's inside yourself and when mm -hmm. you finally found yourself and you're not searching anymore then going back to your roots you find a, a comfort that you didn't have before yeah it's like you find that equanimity of just being comfortable like you say with people like-minded people or people of your tribe or people you feel comfortable with but you also have this acceptance of people who are not like you and it doesn't have that same edge or that doesn't give you that same fear or wanting to run away. It's, you just become, and I think yoga, the practice of yoga really helps us with that too, helps us to be in that feeling of equanimity, no matter what the situation is around us, to find our peace. We're sort of like the grounded within us. And then so all this can happen around us. And sometimes it moves us and we get sort of taken away with it for a while. But the practice of yoga helps us to return faster. To our, mm. to our center and our harmonious state. Yeah. From there, what did you do next? Let's see. Um, shiatsu, how did that come in? <laughs> shiatsu, so I had been traveling for quite a lot of years. Um, I'd already been living in America where I'd had my ice cream van. And, oh, ice cream van. Uh, yes, was, that was funny. Tell us about that. <laughs> like that one. That, that, one, that one comes before the shiatsu, so I'll squeeze okay. it in. Um, and that was probably one of the best jobs I've ever had. I mean, to be honest, a lot of these jobs that I've picked up like little short jobs I've loved. I've never been somebody that's um, worried about accumulating money or things. 
um, when you travel a lot, they just weigh you down or they become a responsibility that you lose your freedom. And I think freedom's been a big thing for me. Yeah, you're, they become your prison. So, um, so I've often had small jobs and travelled. And the ice cream van was one of my favourite. Literally serving people from morning to evening for a couple of dollars a day, you know, ice cream pops that cost $1 and double-decker sandwiches and cookie sandwich that was $2 and driving through neighbourhoods, having children screaming with delight and uh, <laughs> and hitting kind of building sites with Mexicans who wanted bebida con tamarindo limon and, you know, <laughs> learning a few words so that you could communicate. It was such a fun existence. So, yeah, I did that for a little while in America. I bought an ice cream van and sold ice cream. Uh, it, it's really a social job. It's a very uh, a community job. You're you're meeting people. You're and you're bringing pleasure. You know they're happy. The kids are happy. Everyone who doesn't ice cream makes everyone happy. I mean, it's just a, yeah. it's a great way to open a dialogue. It's around ice cream. Nothing better. And yeah. I think this can show you know for people, especially in the days we have, what we're living right now. People have lost their jobs. Is don't be don't be afraid to go out there and try something new, whether it's driving a school bus or an ice cream van or. A, a food stand or something different that's maybe don't think about that. You're going to do that for the rest of your life. Oh my God, this is what I've come to look at it more as an adventure and what it can bring to you and how it's going to expand your horizon and the different types of people you can make. Maybe you'll do it for a month or a couple of months and it'll help you provide uh, food for your home and what you're doing, but it'll also give you a new experience of other people. So don't be afraid to challenge yourself out there. Listeners, if you are in a position that you don't have a job, um, it's going to bring you, enrich your life more than you think, I think. Yeah, that's such wise advice, Terry. You know, for me at the moment, I've really had to think like that, like how can I reinvent myself at the moment? Um, as you know, running retreats and yoga teacher trainings, it's one thing whether you can travel, but it's another thing if nobody can travel to you. And, you know, there's so much whether people's financial situation means that they now can't attend or... Oh, there's so many um, variables that we're not in control of, but the one thing we are in control of is our own actions and our own choices. And, um, you know, now I've got somebody that's nagging me to um, finish a book that I've started and it's incredible. There's suddenly a publisher that wants to publish a book that's still like only a hundred pages in. And um, you know, there's, there's a whole quantum field of possibility. It's just, we just have to keep grabbing at them, you know, anything that you want's out there, but equally the things that you don't want. So what you're going to, there's a certain amount of uh, choice that you do have over your destiny. And I think, and like you say, having faith, and if it doesn't work out, next. Yeah, you know, I can on, share with you the, uh, yeah, I can share with you the great jobs I've had. I mean, it's maybe we could do a whole other one on the disasters as well, but <laughs> yes. you know, that, that, <laughs> exactly. We don't have to hang on to the things that don't work and yep. equally the things that we're loving that are working are going to leave us. It's the one thing that we know is that change is going to happen and that by clinging on, it's going to cause suffering. So you know, it's been a really testing time, I think, for a lot of us now that have had our beautiful worlds tossed around, but like kind of trusting and going with the flow rather than resisting. Um, it's the only way that we can embrace life at the moment. Otherwise, we're going to be in a lot of pain. 
It's, it's very important. It's very important for us all to learn this, not to resist. Um, and not, it's sometimes we can just dig that hole a little bit deeper. And that's where we're seeing so many uh, mental and emotional and stress and depressions. And of course, even suicides, because people are um, so locked into the belief that this is, this is who I am. And now I'm no longer that. So who am I? And it, mm. it fills them with such fear. And it's yeah. so sad to see because they're so more than that. Every human being is so much more than that. You are not your job. You are not your, you're not even your family. You're not, you are you. And that is always still there. And that energy, we can still use that. And it's hard, but it's so hard for people to break out of that. And I understand mm. it because I, I think even you and I, and, and I, I feel in so many ways, we, I'm so grateful for the life I have. But we go through our ups and downs too. And sometimes we can find ourselves clinging on to something that we know it's time to let go. And we basically, in a position, we don't have the choice. So it's finding how, okay, uh, how I can find a new direction to go or how I can bring who I am still to have meaning for me and meaning to others. So it's just always keep that forward movement. It's not like thinking always into the future what I want to be. It's staying present, but it's also keeping that energy moving. Don't get stagnant. Even if it's just having a daily routine of washing your dishes, preparing your food, having a shower, meditating a little or going for a walk, creating things that to keep you going and moving and not stuck mm. on your couch in front of the TV thinking, when is this going to end? So I, yeah. I think that's really important. Yeah, yeah, totally. These like little daily mini practices, finding the divine in the mundane, you know, looking at the magic of bubbles on your hands when you're washing up in the sunlight. And, uh, and then just, just keep being creative when you're out in nature, when you're connecting to the world around you, when you feel the sun on your skin, there's so many things to be thankful for. And I know it's easier when you're um, maybe of that mindset anyway, or definitely when we're on this yoga path. But, um, you know, we're being called to put into action the things that we talk about. It's like, now's the time to live your oh, yoga. Yeah. Like you've been talking it, like, come on, put it into action. Walk the so, talk now. Yeah, I mean, it's not been easy for any of us, but um, I think that just that keep going forwards not being stagnant, not holding on too tightly. And, um, and just, yeah, I mean, I, I do feel lucky on my life, but, um, and having faith, I think it's easier to have faith when things have gone your way than when things haven't. But even when things aren't going your way, we're stuck. I mean, as yogis, we want to be in the present moment, but when you're that caught up in the disaster that's unfolding, you can't see the bigger timeline. You know, there's so many times when you say, God, if I'd have caught that bus, I would have been the one that would have been in that, whatever, that accident that happened. And, you know, in that moment, you're like cursing that the, I don't know, the water tank's broken and everything's gone wrong and you're running late, but we don't see what's unfolding. And, um, I think that, so it's, it's definitely easier to have faith when life's gone well for you. But I think just trying to hang on to um, the idea that life is unfolding as it should do and that our challenges uh, are actually going to be gifts in the future is somehow peaceful. Yeah, it's, it's really sort of like a mental, emotional and spiritual state of being is sort of like having that faith that things will unfold. And um, I had a thought about that when you said that. 
it's it's yeah it's easier when you have a spiritual path or a yoga path or something that you're passionate about whether it's art or music or dancing that gives us you know a very creative side to 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 give us some security and and to be hopeful and have faith as you say but i mean we can we can all find that sort of that faith within us and even when things are so dark and terrible and hard just by staying remaining open and having faith that things are unfolding, it permits that energy to stay open so that you are permitted, whether even if you don't really have any faith in energies or spiritual paths, but if you're just having that mind open, you're going to be more ready to, um, to receive or pay attention or observe, huh, there's an opening there. That person I just saw, she's looking for that person for a job. All of a sudden your mind opens. You're just more ready to receive for something yeah. good to come in your life. But if you sit yeah. there closed off, there's no window. There's no door for anything to come into your life. You've just blocked that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so after there I was cream. selling ice cream. There you were selling <laughs> ice cream. <laughs> um, I actually found myself back in the UK and... Um, yeah, I found myself back in the UK and it was then that um, I thought if I'm going to be spending some time here, oh, my internet looks a bit unstable. Um, if I'm going to be spending time in the UK, then I really need to do something that um, resonates with me. And I'd already got my Reiki one and two whilst I was living in Guatemala. And um, so then I decided to study. I'm going to put my uh, hotspot on. So just for our listeners to know, um, Leila, she's talking to, to us from Cyprus right now. She's living in Northern Cyprus and she's been there since um, the COVID sorry. situation okay. began. Yeah, so sorry. Yeah, that's fine. I'm just explaining to our listeners that you're actually living and right now we're speaking and you're speaking from Cyprus, Northern Cyprus. So just to have an idea of where you are in the world right now. Yeah. And sometimes we can have some internet issues. So <laughs> I'm in the jungle. We have to deal with what we need to deal with. So here we are. We, uh, we went from Reiki in Guatemala. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then, uh, so then I found myself back in the UK and, um, I wanted to, to just see if I could make it work there. And um, so I started to study Chinese medicine and I just fell in love with the whole practice, the mind, body, spirit connection, the um, being guided by nature, by the five elements. Um, it's, it's quite similar in some way. Uh, and that everything that's you is within you. And um yeah, I just loved it. And I ended up staying there three years. It was a, a course that you could take in segments, but there was no way I was going to miss any of it. And um, yeah, so I fell in love with it. Um, I've always loved touch. I love um, using my hands for healing. Um, I loved Reiki, but I really love massage. I love, you know, I can feel, I can even see where energy is blocked in bodies. So it's quite a useful tool with yoga as well that, oh, I can just touch there and move there and that's going to feel nice and um just this morning I was walking with my sister and she was like oh, my neck and I was like okay okay stop and a couple of pressure points and she was like oh it feels much better um so yeah so that I was three years that. and I was lucky enough to be um yeah <laughs> I was uh, lucky enough to be working in a job that let me have a lot of holiday um so I was studying I was earning great money I was taking 12 weeks a year in India. 
um, going off and studying yoga or just traveling, spending time with like reconnecting with my UK family and friends. And it was actually a really, really beautiful time. I was able to get out for most of the winter and to get back for the really good months and to enjoy the festival scene. And, um, you know, I got much more into cooking and having my own home and started looking at the vegan path. And so instead of ice cream, it was nice cream. And um, yeah, it was just a really wholesome time and fun time that I was there. But there was definitely that part of me that thought as soon as I finished studying, I'm out of here. So yeah, so I studied for three years and became a shiatsu <coughs> practitioner. I worked a lot with mental health, worked a lot with addiction. Um, I really enjoy uh, working with alcoholics, working with drug addicts, working with any addictions, really, to be honest. I, just mental health really, really interests me. And a lot of the um, client group that I was working with was mental health rather than physical injuries. So I really enjoy that. Did you do your um, 200 hour in England or where did you go for that to do your teacher training? So I left, I left, I left England and I uh, flew out to Ethiopia. I um, took part in a 21-day river expedition to the Omo Valley. And um, the trip leader on that 21-day rafting expedition at the end of the trip said, do you want to come to Uganda with me? It's the center of the universe. And I thought, well, I didn't fancy going back to England, so that sounds good. So we went to Uganda together. That was in 2006. And then in 2013, we got married. So... You are the first person the first I ever world. met from Uganda or new Uganda who has been to Uganda. I've always heard of Uganda for me. It's like, you know, the old days. And what, what was his name? The, the dictator. So I see that. And then I see the gorillas. I have this image of Uganda. And you're the first one that actually made Uganda for me, um, seeing it in a different perspective. And so I'm so excited to visit there one day. So you, you, you went to Uganda. And yeah. Met the love of your life. And you also started yeah, and, uh, there. Yeah, so actually in Uganda was where I did my first yoga teacher training. It was a school from South Africa came and I did my training in Uganda. Um, and then I started up kind of like fast forwarding um, a yoga safari company. So my husband and I, were he's South African, would combine yoga and mindfulness and um, safari walks and being in nature and camping and wilderness and survival with yoga. And I also started up a yoga teacher, yoga teacher training where I'd start training the local Ugandans in yoga so that they could go out into the community and teach in their local communities. So it was kind of a project where I'd give them a scholarship to do a yoga teacher training and then help fund them so that they could teach in the community for free. Oh, that's wonderful. That's really working with the this very karma um, community service. Wonderful. Yeah. I mean, I was there for a, a many years. I arrived in 2007 and only left in 2017. So 10 years pretty much on and off. And, um, yeah, there was a few yoga projects. We started a community yoga project on a, a Saturday morning where sometimes we'd have 50 Ugandans come to practice and there'd always be a breakfast for everybody afterwards. And um, that would be a donation class that 
there was usually enough donations to check that everybody got fed afterwards. And then the teachers that I was training up, we helped um, build a yoga space so that they could teach tourists. And then they had an income from yoga. And then part of them giving back was going out into the community. And um, I started up a prison yoga project where we had a yoga teacher that would go into the prison once a week, but also one of the teachers was working with children with special needs and um, in wheelchairs. So it it just felt really good. That whole um, being able to take so much from a country, like living there, um, feeling fairly privileged in a beautiful place. And, you know, yoga is about union. And there I was, a white girl. (laughs) I kind of stood out a bit. But yoga just gave me the tools to become one of them. So through the practice of yoga, through sharing that space, through training Ugandans as teachers, through helping them get jobs using yoga, it just felt like a really beautiful circle of where you give because you're getting so much, but in the end you end up getting more because of what you're giving. So it just went round and round and um, the community yoga still exists now. Like I've not been there for three years and those teachers are still leading it and still something that people can go to that's free of charge or donation-based every Saturday morning. There's still a big um, yoga presence in Uganda, even though I'm not there anymore. So it felt like a really nice legacy to leave behind. I think there's so much um, wealth of experience and wealth of when we're helping others, whether it's the communities or individuals. And now, once again, in this world with difficulties, even more so, and I see so many beautiful acts of, of people helping each other, helping their communities, either by helping like in our tour zone. There's so many of the young people are out there who have talents from the universities, graphic design and everything. They're trying to help promote um, different ways for businesses to work. Other people are bringing food to homes where people have lost their jobs. Other people are bringing medical supplies. Other people are bringing food for, their, for other people's animals. People don't have... Um, in our local families, you know, they don't even have the food to buy chicken food for their chickens or dog food or because they can barely buy food for themselves. You know? So it's trying to help at this situation. But as we help, and that's, that's really a great way also to, for everyone to start a yoga practice, is just in this community service. That alone is a practice of yoga, of, of helping others. And it enriches your own life so much too, I believe, and makes you feel that there's value in what you do by helping yeah. It's uh, funny that you say that because um, the name of our company is actually Karuna, which means compassion. And we often say that, you know, we're never that interested whether you can do a headstand, whether you can sit in lotus and meditate, whether you can breathe and control your breath. Like, can you be kind? Can you be kind to others? Can you offer kindness? Can you be kind to yourself? Then you're more of a yogi than anyone you'll see on Instagram and, you know, far more accomplished yogis, like it really comes back to compassion and kindness. And I think that if we all saw the world through that lens and each other, like everyone's on a path, like can you, you don't know their backstory. You don't know what's going on. Just be kind. Yes, like if, you've got it, if you've got the capacity within you, then just be kind. If you've, whatever that means, thoughts, words, actions, deeds. Or just listening. Just listening to someone else, even if you don't agree, allow that person to express themselves in a way, actually to hear them. People want to be heard and just having an open ear to let people express themselves can help them in their mental issues and their depressions and everything else just by lending that ear and listening. Yeah. 
So we've talked a little bit COVID. So you went on to do your YTTs. Oh, yin yoga. You did enter sort of like, um, I know you've done uh, also Ashtanga and everything else, but I know you particularly like yin yoga. And I love yin yoga. I'm not a teacher in yin yoga, but I love to practice it. And uh, so could you just explain a little bit about yin yoga and how, how your classes are, or anything you like, your feelings of yin yoga and why you like to practice personally yin yoga? Yeah. You know, I think that the world is so yang. There's so much to do. There's so many to-do lists and things that need to be done and so much action and distraction and stimulation that, you know, we're really um, missing those pauses, those moments of stillness. And, you know, sometimes when our life is really, really on the go, putting a dynamic yoga practice in there as well can can feel fun. It can feel like, oh, this is what I need. I'm sweating. I'm breathing. I'm part of the community. But actually, it's just adding another layer of doing on top of all the other doing. And, you know, you spoke so beautifully about sattvic energy. And, you know, we need to be still too, so that we do have the energy to get up and go. And that, and the yin is really like the counterbalance. It's the complement to the yang. And um, so when I started to put yin yoga more into my life, you know, it's if people find a meditation practice hard, then maybe yin yoga is a good doorway in because you're, you're in a pose, you're usually on the floor and you're going to be holding it for two, three, five, seven, ten minutes. So um, we kind of laugh that anybody can do yin but not any mind it's you know it's a challenge for your mind and um and it's just such a great practice to to develop mindfulness to bring you to the present moment to um to complement our our yang practice you really you're working into joints and joint capsules and connective tissue so we're really enhancing our flexibility. So it goes really nicely with the yang practice that's kind of more muscle building. So it's got a huge amount of benefits, but it really teaches us about observing, being aware, um, tuning in. Oh, got a kitten just landing on me. Um, <laughs> um, she's not very yin. So yeah, so yin, yin came into my life um, as a beautiful complementary to Yang. And it was funny because after studying Chinese medicine and Shiatsu for three years and suddenly finding myself in Africa, I wasn't really using it that much. I was in uh, communities that wanted to get a massage and uh, Shiatsu is a therapy. It's like you treat people over a period of time and the beauty of the therapist is that you seek change. So I wasn't really getting that. And then when yin yoga came in and suddenly there was talk about that the meridians lie in fascia and connective tissue. And it was like, wow. So this is kind of what I think about when I think about that surrender, like we don't know what's unfolding. So I could have been upset that three years of studying Chinese medicine in London led to nothing. And then suddenly I'm putting together a whole teacher training and yin retreats based around all that knowledge that I got between 2003 and 2006. And, um, so there's really that like, you know, you, you never know, even 10, 12 years on what's going to unfold. And um, so I think that they're kind of the reasons why I've got such a passion for yin. I think we all need it. I think that um, it enhances our physical practice, but it, it's just something that I see working from a therapeutic level as well. There's so much change 
that we can bring about by these slow poses, by slowing down and by being mindful and uh, mm-hmm. being present to our experience. Yeah, so I started really leading, I started bringing yin yoga classes into, um, you know, kind of like tucking them in to retreats and seeing people's feedback. And, you know, most people come out of it like, or they're, during the session, they're like, oh, my nails, has she fallen asleep? How long, much longer <laughs> is she going to keep me in this pose? And then they emerge from Shavasana and they're like, what was that? And, you know, they come out with the biggest like natural high that they've ever had. Sorry, I just have to get rid of this. Um, Evie, I can't answer right now. I'm on that podcast, okay? I'll call after. Okay, the numbers of the Liha that you said I have to have? Oh, Liha, uh, two, 200 or 220, the black sandpaper. <laughs> okay. All right, honey. She's sanding and redecorating our house. Okay. Um, sorry, everybody. That was my daughter. I'll probably edit this out. If not, that was just my daughter calling. <laughs> she needed some help from sanding some chairs. Okay. You <laughs> everything. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So, the in, that's an interesting connection between yin yoga and your shiatsu practice. And, um, oh, what was I going to say about this? Oh, yes. You saying, yes, it is mind blowing. I remember my first experience with yin yoga. It was really like that. I mean, I didn't look at my nails. I was always already a, a yogi and teacher and everything else. But uh, it was like, it was, it was playing with my mind. First, my mind was thinking, oh, this is painful. I can't stay here no longer. Oh, why am I doing this? And my mind was, and I was like, mind, be quiet. But my mind was just playing. And I ra- actually felt my body. My body wasn't really that much in pain. My mind was telling me, your body's in pain. Get out of here. And I'm thinking, no, it's not. <laughs> So there's yeah. like a frustration level. I think is it, my mind was saying, is this going to get end? Move, get out of here. And I was like, no, we yeah. have to stay. And then I thought that yeah, yeah. she's forgotten us. She's changed the store. <laughs> what is she doing? And then finally, it's just like at the end, you just feel like, you just feel like such a release. Yeah. Just like the space opens up, you feel light and released. And there's yeah. so much energy or emotions that just get released through the practice of it. It, it is beautiful. Yeah, it's, so it's really beautiful. And that, that kind of dialogue that goes through your mind, you know, I think it's so natural. Like, surely she can't be timing it. It wasn't <laughs> this long on the last side, you know. And then, <laughs> and then it teaches us, like, how do you stick around when things get uncomfy? You know, in life, can you do that when things get uncomfy? Can you stick around or are you going to listen to the drama of the ego and back off? Like, there's so many lessons in our yin practice um, for the mind as well as for the body and the emotions about staying around when things get hard. Um, you know, it's such a good practice. <laughs> okay, I just, I, my daughter is squealing in the background. And this is my other daughter. The other daughter was calling from the city. This one's squealing and she's calling our cat and she's like, there's a snake in my room. I don't know what's going on. I hope she can manage it. But otherwise I might have to leave. I don't know what's going on out there. We live in the jungle, listeners. So the snakes sometimes or the cats bring them in. And she's kind of freaking out. I hope it's a, not a bad one. Oh, she's running. Oh, she's coming. <laughs> okay, I hope she can manage without us so I can, we can finish here. Okay. Ramon is coming. He's our hero. He's our farm and hero. He always comes to the hero when something, there's a snake or a toad or something we don't like. It's like, help, come. Hero comes. <laughs> we can do uh, the sandpaper, but not the snakes. <laughs> I know, right? I'll do the sandpaper. Snakes are not my thing. Definitely not. Yeah. So, yes, I do love yin yoga, and I would, I would actually love to practice it more and have a deeper understanding of it one day. Maybe do a 50-hour, 100-hour. 
training. Yeah, that so really that was good. the plan, Terry, wasn't it? I you were going to come out to. Yeah, so my I had a three hundred hour yin training that was in three parts that was about to happen in November, and you would have been coming out for one or two of those, either That's the yin, the mind, and the five elements, or the yin and healing through trauma. So we've got a project in Uganda that, um, or actually I work with a girl who has a project in Uganda called Healing and Resilience Through Yoga. And, um, and she's done a lot with uh, women that have been trafficked and it's really drawing from her experience and the 12-week program that she runs to help uh, women in particular that have suffered trauma. So I, I kind of feel as much as, you know, like we're all sucking it up with this year there's definitely a few things that I feel a bit robbed of and um having that time with you in Uganda and uh, knowing that we were gonna try and get down to the gorillas or go on safari and then of course we would have been heading to Kenya afterwards to well that's why I I was coming to head and (laughs) to introduce people uh, uh, our listeners a bit about our project here um yes that was all I mean when we met in Costa Rica to do our 300 hours together by Corinne's at the end of our, um, one of our exams was to put together a project from beginning to end, um, even uh, the structure of the classes, the, the themes, what it was for, how, how we would completely organize it. And my dream since uh, a very small child was to go to Kenya. I mean, I've had a couple of these dreams on my bucket list, and that was a big major, Lions, Kenya. I mean, I, every year I watched Born Free systematically on the television when it came out born free stay free living free I read the books as well I had lions posters things with horses and lions they're all over the place (laughs) and so I had this this dream of one day going there and then I met Chu and then we did this project and this project was doing yoga with horses which is kind of like um was as the listeners know what I do is I'm a yogi horsewoman and combining that with the practice of yin yoga and um, your gifts, Leila, and we, we did a, a 10-day retreat in Africa, which would be with the safaris, um, mindfulness walks, um, in, uh, safaris, riding, yoga, horses, to empower women to, to come into their, that wild woman essence that we all hold in, and they can give us so much power and so much strength. And so we did it, and we were in love with our project. <laughs> And I was just so excited. And we were so in love with it. We said, let's make this happen. This is going to happen. And we said, oh, yes, this is going to happen. We were doing it. So we really did it in a way that we're, we're actually creating what we were going to do and what we will do. And that led to, and at the same time, coincidence or not, Lion King 2 comes out in the cinemas. So we all went down there, all the students and our teacher and watched it, which inspired us even more. <laughs> this was all programmed to happen this year in November, and we were going to go down. I was going to do my yin yoga training with Leila and then visit the, the gorillas and then go to Kenya for our retreat. And Lexi, my daughter, was coming with us, and we were putting that all together. And it was really, it was, I think it was like I was just, 2020 started for us great, and we were just like, oh, yes, everything was you know, the retreats were lining up, our YTTs, and we were heading towards Africa at the end. You know, this was the ultimate thing at the end, how the year was going to end. And then, of course, COVID changed all that. But I have not given up. And I am have great hope in 2021 and November heading to Africa. So listeners, keep tuned for this amazing experience that we will 
we'll, we'll bring it out as soon as we can and we'll let you know how it happens. And we'd love to have you join us for an incredible experience. I mean, really, I mean, in Kenya, we, we connected with someone there who has very beautiful horses. Uh, they run a safari company. They have a lovely home and beautiful rooms. I mean, just anything you would think you would dream of, of staying in Africa. And that's about, that's what it is. And then just, <laughs> it's surrounded. The places itself is just surrounded with the giraffes and the zebras and the gazelles and all these Blue animals. Will, I mean, Acacia like, trees. Ah, right? Yeah. I mean, we really did our research and just found that piece of paradise where the horses there's, can roam freely, where you were going to be able to work with them, where we really believed that that horse connection was, uh, you know, going to be just so beautiful and um, space for yoga, perfect climate. It's 2021 is going to be our year. 21, 2021. Yes, definitely. Yeah. I just, it's just sort of a, a, such a dream come true. It will happen. It will definitely happen. Um, so I just want, I I mean, I think, okay, that's another thing I just thought I'd mention a bit too. So in this COVID world, it's been a challenge for a lot of people like Leila and myself and many, many others out there, yoga teachers, yoga schools are doing their yoga teacher trainings and yoga teacher trainings is such a, also, it's not just about learning yoga and understanding the fundamentals. It's really a, a personal inexperience. It's a transformation. So much happens within, especially in the 200 hours. The 300 hours is deepening your practice and understanding. But that first 200 hours is where transformation really happens. And I know you've seen it, and I've seen it again and again in our students. So on the first day they arrive and to the last day, a lot of emotions happen. A lot of different transitions happen. And at the end, you are just looking at these wonderful souls that have found a, a connection and begun their journey to, to, to find who they really are and are, are seeing things differently and more openly and more expansion of the possibilities in this world and how they can live their lives and how they can make a difference for themselves and for others. And um, it's been a bit frustrating for us, not just, of course, financially, it's been a hard hit for everybody. Um, we won't go into that because that is globally difficult for many. And in this world, it's been very hard for us too. And that went on to then uh, a lot of people being able, giving permission from Yoga Alliance to do these online trainings, which at first I think we all struggled with because we're so used to working in person with people. And it first started my experiences, and I know your experiences too, just doing the Zoom online classes or live Instagram classes. It was like, oh my gosh. And then of course the podcast happened too. Um, But (laughs) we find our way through, we get into, you know, we are out of our comfort zone and that, that starts to flow too. So as that started to flow and felt more natural and starting to feel connection with your students and people out there, you say, oh, well, we can have a connection. And I think um, I was very resistant, let's say, which is probably not something I should be, but I was, I was, I couldn't sort of perceive how to do YTT online. I could see parts of it, but not all of it. But now with time and seeing how we're, as humans, we're always adapting. That's how we've survived for these millions, these, this long period, um, because we've evolved, we transform, we we recreate ourselves. That's how we survive. We have our imagination and these skills to use. And so I've started to see an opening in that way. And I know you've now turned, you've sort of found an understanding with that as well. And you're going to begin your first YT online, uh, yin yoga, I think, believe it is or not. I'm not sure. Tell me. Yeah. Um, so we were actually kind of 
14 or 15 days into our YTT when we had to abandon it back in March, our Kenyan one. So we finished the YTT online. So we were kind of forced onto the screen um, automatically. And um, so I think fortunately we only had a few lectures or a few kind of discussions that we needed to do. And it was equally as um, scary <laughs> looking at yourself and trying to have connection um, as it was kind of like eye-opening, like, wow, you know, we can still have a connection. So even though it, like on one hand, it felt quite cold and quite distant and can we do this and how's a whiteboard going to work? And, you know, we're kind of quite old school. I think we like touch and we value connection and looking in someone's eyes. And, but then at the same time, you know, it was like, okay, we, we have to stop resisting. So we, we were kind of forced online quite quickly and we finished the YTT online and our group that had been together in Kenya that had had to separate a little bit early it really became quite a support system for all of us. So we'd meet up online, you know, once a week or students would lead a class online to the rest of the students. So within that little safe bubble, we were doing it. And, um, and then we put our studio, we were about to open up a studio in Kampala. So we put all of the studio classes online, but they were all the physical practices. And I think that just, the last couple of months, um, a little bit like you, that the more I've attended courses and things online, it's like, okay, humanity have been forced, uh, synchronized <laughs> to embrace this technology. You know, there, you, it's just crazy that if you'd have ever tried to get the whole world to adapt to something at the same time, it would have been so difficult to do but we've all adapted to using Zoom and um, Microsoft Teams and whatever other platforms it is because we've had to and it's been synchronized. We've all had to do it at the same time. And, um, you know, I've been able to attend a few webinars and a few trainings myself online and, and just see that it is possible. And even though, like, you might miss a look in somebody's eyes because, uh, you know, we're looking at a screen or it's, it's not got the touch, there are those benefits that, you know, some people can't take 21 days off work to come on a training or the cost mm -hmm. of flights on top of the training doesn't make it possible or they've got children. And now suddenly these amazing trainings that we've got together, this wealth of knowledge, experience and wisdom that, you know, you can share. I know from being with you and your connection with horses and how you've taken like the yoga sutras and brought it to life for me through the sessions we shared together through the, like the horse, mm -hmm. you can do that. You can give that to more people than maybe you ever would have been able to before. So even though like, I understand that it's not quite the same, I'm just holding into my heart that that kind of faith in the universe that our people will still find us. I mean, for you, being with horses and being in Costa Rica is unique selling point for me. Being in Africa is also a unique selling point. And we obviously can't give that at the moment, but there's so much that we can still give. And I think that, you know, in the end, people don't come for the, I mean, they do come for the horse, but they don't come for the coastline. They don't come for Africa or Costa Rica. They come for you. They come because of your reputation, because other people have said, she's the woman with a beautiful heart that made this so accessible to me. And I think that we just have to keep having trust and having faith that we will find our people at the right time. And so we kind of with that belief and um, just having seen that we can keep connection and community and offer each other support, we decided to take the first part of our yin training online. So 
it would have been a three-part training in November and we're putting one part online and we're kind of hoping that the other two parts or even three parts will be able to do in person next year. So um, that actually starts the 21st of November and it's looking at yin yoga, the mind and uh, the five elements of chi- and Chinese medicine. So how wood, fire, earth, metal and water exist within us and how we can stimulate the energies of those elements for our yin practice. Oh, I'd love to attend that. Who knows? Maybe I can find a way. Yeah, 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 yeah. But we're actually, we're running a competition on Instagram. So for, win, a, win a free spot. Okay, I need to apply quick. <laughs> I shall do yeah, that. Yeah, it starts on Monday. <laughs> okay, it starts on Monday. I, I can yeah. do that before. Okay, I'm getting ready for that. I'll work on that this weekend. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. yeah, I think that, yes, we do. And what we mentioned earlier in the podcast, you know, about constantly keeping yourself open to receive new ideas, new ways of thinking that normally you would resist or thought, uh, 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 or just keeping that movement of going forward and seeing the possibilities that are coming. And you're doing this and now we've started, we're working now, we're going to be offering maybe 50 hours of the YTT with that hope that the rest they can finish here or have the choice to also do it, continue online depending what happens. So we are working a bit that too. And I feel a lot so much more comfortable now in this online world and everything else. So I do, especially the podcasts have helped me a lot too. I can really see how you can chat naturally, connect naturally, feel someone else's energy through the screen. That even if it's not the same, it's still there. You know, it's, we still, we're connected. It's just like healing. And you've done Reiki, um, you know, Reiki and other energy healing. We can heal at a distance. So the energy and the connection, we can still create that if we open up that space for it. And I think that's that's how I see myself moving forward in that too. Yeah. And to to finish up today, I just would like to go a little bit back on our safari, our you know our strong, powerful women. I want to explain a little bit more to our listeners what that's going to be about. So, like it started with really with this Africa feeling of being you know born free and living free. So we're all born free, and we get caught up with all these. Um, things that happen, these experiences, they become memories, they become sometimes traumas, they become layers and layers of, of who we are, or who we think we are, because of these experiences. But though they influence us, they're just memories from our past. We always stay the center of who we are, we're born free, we're always in a, a blissful state. And so I sort of saw that as a way to people to connect to their, their free spirit, to be able to live free and to find their, their fierce woman power through the nature, you watching nature, especially in Africa, it's very fierce, it's very strong. The lion, the zebras, everything, how they, they come to the drinking hole in harmony, all of them. The lion lies down with the lamb, or you know, that 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 saying from the Bible. But it's truly too, it's true. That's how they do, that's how they live. But they also live to survive and to eat. And that can be very fierce and traumatic for us who watch that. But it's part of life. And then that evening, they will drink together too. So it shows us that gentle balance. There always is balance in nature. They don't kill unless they're hungry. They're not like humans who want to have, I don't know, thousands of kilos of, 100,000 kilos of meat that are just put out there every day, um, for instance, in the States and other countries, more than the consumption is. So they throw out so much food. And just watching nature, there's no waste. Things, it's not to be hurtful. 
It's just to eat when I need to eat and rest when I need to rest. So mm-hmm. that helps us through observation. And then that connection with the horse as well. Connect, working on that energetic connection uh, through our breath and realizing how our breath can influence. We, we know we're told that our breath influences our energy and everything else. But our breath, and then in yoga, that our breath is our connection from our physical body to our spiritual self. And our breath is also our connection to the horse and therefore to each other, to ourselves. We really understand how the breath is so important and what it brings to us. And then through that practice of yin yoga, connecting more into that moment of stillness. It's just such a beautiful um, combination or a package of everything to as an experience of really reconnecting with yourself, finding that fierce energy, but that fierce energy that you need to use when you need, and then come back to that a place of peace and bliss and equanimity. So I'm really excited about doing this with you. And um, it's going to be magical. So listeners, please keep watching us. Stay informed when it happens, because it will happen. I promise it will happen. Yeah, and I just love what you say there. And it reminds me of the story of how, you know, there'll be um, an animal drinking at the waterhole and can literally be almost taken by a lion and run and then shake it off and then go back to the waterhole and drink and how they don't hold on to stories, how they live in the moment and how, you know, it's gone. It was like, what? That sucked. Back to grazing, back to eating, back to drinking, you know? And um, I think that really through being in Africa and through leading safaris and from connecting to nature, through listening, through breathing, through being in touch with like so much, like the call of one bird that's warning you that something else is happening and it's raw, it's wild, the sunlight, it's hot, the drumming, you know, the whole energy and you know, meeting you and just knowing that we could work with horses in the way we had done in Costa Rica, but also maybe being on horseback beside giraffe or zebra and everything coming together, you really get the um, impression that nothing's separate, that we are one. It's one breath that we're all breathing and any act of harm that we do to a tree or polluting a river, we're doing to ourselves. like in that moment where, you know, nothing's separate. We're all just part of this one amazing uh, universe. And I think that that, like through meeting you and understanding the horses through you, which I really had no idea about, and um and then being able to share what I know about Africa and just that dream of bringing it all together. It's still so, um, you know, it sits here in my heart. It's just so waiting to come to life that, you know, it's definitely the yes. highlight of the year next year. It's like a, a fire burning inside, just waiting to come out. It's, I really, it's just something I know it's going to be so incredible and so magical, that intensity of, of, live, of life in Africa. Yeah. That connection to the earth, you know, and that visualization and what we will do on the retreat too, of an, under the starry night, the bonfires, the drumming, the dances, you know, really that sort of connecting to that, that survival, that root, that earth connection with we have deep inside that's in our root chakra, that first chakra. And Africa is really so connected to the root chakra. For me, it's just yeah. such a strength and power of the root chakra. And then yeah. how we can use that through evolving and expressing ourselves too yeah i'm excited yes oh my, <laughs> oh my. it will happen 2021 we're waiting yeah 
So until then, uh, everyone out there, um, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Leila, for joining us on this podcast and telling us all your stories and adventures. And I hope some of these stories have maybe sort of, you know, given a little spark of light of the possibilities you guys can do out there to, you know, go, go just try any old job. Maybe you'll meet that other person that will lead you to another job, or maybe you'll find that job in its simplicity brings you so much peace and well-being as well. And so just, just take a chance. Adventure out there. Don't be afraid. It's when we stay locked in that zone of fear, and it's easy to get caught up, fear of lack of finances, fear of losing a loved one, all these fears, and we get stuck, and it's a stuck mode. And, more, and the more stuck, the mud just goes deeper and deeper. So even though I know it's hard, and I truly know from my personal experience, this is hard, but it, it is worthwhile. Release and let go of your fears and just move forward. Try. You don't know what's out there. Just try. Try.